Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And we are your killer couple critiquing and arguing over horror films, like a couple of weirdos at the bar. So maybe we never quite enlighten you. Maybe we never blow your mind. Maybe we never crush you between the walls of a rotating ghost house. (laughs) (laughs) But hopefully you just have a good time listening. So today we are continuing our month-long theme of Home Sweet Haunted Houses with the 2001 remake 13 Ghosts. And I just want to apologize first for the lateness of the episode. Uh, Chris and I were both sick (laughs) uh, for the past week. She's doing much better. I'm fine, but I'm still a little bit under the weather. But we love you guys and wanted to get this, you know, out to you instead of continuing to make you wait. So (laughs) Uh, so I apologize in advance for any sniffles and or coughs and or both. So anyway, yes, 13 goes. So this was the 2001 remake directed by Steve Beck, who had done a bunch of commercial work uh, did visual effects as well worked on films like the abyss with james cameron uh, which i think is apparent in 13 ghosts you can definitely it's heavy on the visual effects Um, and this was his debut feature which he did for dark castle of course and he went on to also do the film ghost ship for dark castle but that ended up being such a like both films were not successful (laughs) And he also had such a difficult time working with the studio on Ghost Ship that I'm pretty sure it kind of made him leave the business. <laughs> He's just like, I'm done, I'm out, I don't feel like fucking with this shit anymore. Yeah, you know, it's really sad, actually, because it's fascinating if you go back and listen to a lot of different interviews and stuff like that about Ghost Ship and, and the film that it was once supposed to be. It, it, was, it was originally a much different movie, and, and you could just, you can definitely sense the disappointment that he had that the studio didn't allow him to really move forward with that. Uh, so, But we're not talking about Ghost Ship no. tonight. We're talking about 13, 13 Ghosts. Ghosts. <laughs> Again, this was a remake of the film 13 Ghosts from William Castle, legendary director. I love him. And it was written by Neil Marshall Stevens, who works frequently for Full Moon Entertainment, uh, did films like Head of the Family, Curse of the Puppet Master. Uh, he also wrote Hellraiser Debtor. <laughs> and, uh, and it was also rich- written by Richard D. Ovidio, uh, who did The Call, the film with Halle Berry. And it stars Tony Shalhoub as Arthur. Tony began in TV, appeared in films like Adam's Family Values, Men in Black, 1408. Uh, he voiced Splinter in Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> uh, he's also well-known for starring in the Monk series. I think that's yep. where he really got a lot of his fame from. Uh, it also has Matthew Lillard as Dennis. Matthew uh, was first cast, I believe, as an extra in Ghoulies Go to College. Oh. <laughs> he did films like Serial Mom, SLC Punk. Uh, of course, I think maybe not his breakout movie, but where horror fans definitely found him uh, was with Scream, of course. He was also in, he's done all the Scooby Doo, the recent Scooby Doo stuff yeah. as Shaggy. <laughs> Let's see, it also has M. Beth Davids as Kalina who first appeared in a film called Mutator. Uh, she was also in Army of Darkness, Schindler's List, Matilda, Fallen, The Amazing Spider-Man. So Damn. she's done a shit ton of amazing work. And then lastly, it has Shannon Elizabeth as Kathy. Uh, she did bits in TV series here and there. Uh, was also in the horror film Jack Frost, which I love. I watch it every <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, her big breakout role was American Pie, <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, she also did the film Scary Movie, Cursed, The Night of the Demons remake, which I just revisited the other day, and I think it's a lot more fun than it gets credit for. <laughs> Obviously not as good as the original, but I have fun with it. It's still fun. Uh, so for those that have never seen 13 Ghosts, the film is essentially about Arthur and his family who end up inheriting this swanky, fucked up, fucked up mansion <laughs> uh, from Arthur's 
now deceased uncle uh, Cyrus, played by F. Murray Abraham, who I believe has said that he only did this film for money. <laughs> <laughs> and so they inherit this house, and on the night, basically, that they check it out, they discover that the house is full of these ghosts that have been captured and sealed in these, like, cubic rooms or whatever, and this whole thing is set into motion where the house begins rotating and everything, and the ghosts are let loose, and then Arthur and his family and some others have to, you know, find a way to get the fuck out of Dodge before <laughs> the ghosts murder them. So, <laughs> so if you've never seen the, fil the film before, unfortunately, is not streaming, but oh. it is it is a fun one, especially for, like, this time of year, so I, I think we could probably recommend renting it, yeah. I would definitely <laughs> recommend it. Uh, it's not going to be for everybody, no. but it's got its issues, but, but I think we could recommend this one. But we are going to be spoiling everything, so do highly recommend that you check out the movie before listening to the rest of this. Otherwise, we're going to ruin everything for you. Uh, but that being said, we have our usual brief little bit of spoiler-free content before we get into spoilers. We'll let you know when that's happening. So just as usual, start off with tagline versus the film, what we think of the movie overall. So the tagline for 13 Ghosts was, Misery loves company. <laughs> So what do you think of the tagline, and what do you think of 13 Ghosts overall? That's a terrible tagline. I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> I think it's okay for not this movie. Yeah, but it seems, it, to be honest, that tagline does feel very, like, 2001 emo punk to me. Yes, <laughs> it definitely fits in the time period. I look, that's honestly how I feel about this movie, is I weirdly have a soft spot for this era of ghost movies in particular. Oh, it was a great time for them. Yeah, like, the the effects are, like, super schlocky, but also, like, over the top, and there's just a fun campiness with this. Mm. Like, I feel like with some of these ghost movies, it missed out on one of the things that I didn't really like about slashers during this period, and that's, you kind of like the characters, they're mm. usually a little little kooky, but kind of endearing. Um, and that's that's kind of how I feel about the family in this. Like, they're fucked up. They're a broken family, and they're not necessarily good people. But I still like them, and I'm rooting for them. So, like, that combined with, like, the super cool ghost that we get in this and Matthew Lillard being an amazing character who I would yeah, die I, for. I mean, look, you got Matthew Lillard. Your <laughs> film's already a win, you know? The guy's yeah. amazing. but <laughs> He's um, in it to win it in, like, every role. He is. But yeah, th you know, this was one of the early sort of Dark Castle films during the period where they were uh, redoing these William Castle movies. And I remember this just being such a fun time uh, because Dark Castle was the studio that was basically like, we're going to release a horror movie every October. You know, so I remember just like waiting to see what they were going to do because I really love House on Haunted Hill that we're talking about next week. <laughs> and... You know, so so it was this period where, you know, I do look back on the early 2000s, which were heavily criticized <laughs> by fans at the time. But looking back on it, you know, we did get a lot of really fun, just kind of, you know, goofy sort of campy horror that yeah. also emphasized the gore and the craziness. <laughs> and, you know, so that was just a really fun time to be a fan with this stuff. And, you know, I, I kind of regret that. I, I didn't maybe quite as en enjoy it as much as I should have then as, you know, cause I, I love a lot more of these movies now than mm -hmm. I did then, but no, I, I mean the taglines, whatever, I think it does kind of fit with the theme, which we'll get into in a minute, but I, I do have to say, I miss dark castle doing a horror movie every October like this, you know, yeah. like I, I'm honestly surprised that no studio really does that now where they're like, Hey, let's put out a horror movie every October, you know, like Bloomhouse kind of does, mm -hmm. at least recently with Halloween. Um, You'd think somebody would be more on top of that. You would think so, but uh, I can also say, too, the poster unnerves the hell out of me. I do not like this poster. I hate it. I hate the image of it. Now I need uh, to go Google it. Oh, wait, is it the weird face? It's the weird face with, like, all the little cubes. You know, it it looks like something out of the Lawnmower Man, right? Like, it just... <laughs> It really, it really freaks me out. I don't know why. It just doesn't look right. Nothing about it looks right. <laughs> I'm going to get a poster of this and hang it in the bathroom. The hell you are. Um, <laughs> and, and the thing, I, you know, so as much as I do enjoy this movie, I, and we're going to discuss this too as we go on, but uh, one criticism that I do really understand for it is that the editing is just like... <laughs> what editing? It, it's bad. Yeah. It's No, there's editing. Like, don't get me... It, you're incorrect. Like, there, there's lots of editing going on. Like, there's a very specific style here happening. Um, the thing is, it's too much. <laughs> you know, like, the movie, 
the movie just it does all kinds of like really wonky editing these bright strobe flashes right like i when i'm watching this film i feel like i'm gonna have a seizure like i'm physically uncomfortable watching 13 ghosts <laughs> <laughs> you know especially the older i get like maybe as a kid it didn't bother me but you know now i'm a old fart so like when I watch sensitive to that shit now. Yeah, so when I watch something like this, I'm like, ow, my brain, you know, like it <laughs> it hurts. It physically hurts to watch this movie. <laughs> Maybe that's what they were going for. Well, I do actually have a theory about that that we'll get into. Of so Of course you fucking do. Uh so, <laughs> so speaking of, we are going into the spoilers now. So again, if you have not seen the film, please go check it out, rent it, we're gonna ruin everything for you. But all right, spoiler time. So you mentioned the family. Let's start with them. What are your <laughs> thoughts on this this sort of broken family that is occupying 13 ghosts? I, I think that's the word. This is definitely a broken, fucked up family. Um, well, I mean, and they, it's not like it's, they don't have a right to be. I mean, their fucking true. mom burned to death. Like, <laughs> like she didn't just die. You know, she, she burned to death. She didn't just, like, pass away in the middle of the night or something like that, you know, due to, like, an aneurysm or something. Like, she fucking burned alive. She in a burning house. Well, well, they all stood outside and could probably, you know, like, hear her, like, flesh popping and stuff. So. Oh, and then her ghost got stolen. Right, and then her ghost got stolen. I mean, just insult to injury, you know? <laughs> right. Um, no, you're right. This family absolutely has a reason to be as kind of broken as they are. And I think that they, this is one of the things that the movie actually does a really good job of, kind of in hindsight. Because this family is very much like the epitome of a family that when they lose this central figure, they all just kind of spin out of orbit. They don't know yeah. how to exist without this one person that kind of holds them together. And I feel like we really get that when we first meet them in their apartment because it's all dirty and disorganized. Nobody really seems to know like what they're doing. Bobby, the youngest, who's... um. Bobby, who's played by Alec Roberts, like he's dealing with his grief by making a recording of death. Mm -hmm. Like, and so like, that's how he's kind of processing all of this. Kathy is just a very unhappy teenager. I, I have a totally different interpretation of it. I, I don't see the daughter or the son as unhappy necessarily. Like, of course they're. Kathy's uh, unhappy. I disagree. Like, of course, of course they're sad that they've. No, totally disagree. Of course, they're sad that they've lost their mom, but I mean, maybe it's Shannon Elizabeth. Shannon Elizabeth's acting. I don't know, but <laughs> at what point does she, is is Kathy like? Woe is me! Like she is all smiles through most of this movie. <laughs> like you know, because w what this movie to me is really about is this whole family. They are reacting differently to the mother passing away, mm -hmm. but it's Arthur who is the one that can't move on. Yeah. Like, Kathy has has moved on in the sense that she's taken on more of kind of like the motherly role, you know? Like, she's yeah. the one doing the dishes and doing the cooking and stuff like that. Uh, and according to her, her cooking's much better than than Maggie the nanny, played by Rod Diga. You know, like, she... <laughs> like, like you know, basically, she's doing... She's taken, she's taken on the role of her mother, you know? And I think that in a way she's kind of found peace with that because she I, I sort of view it as like she's found a way to kind of connect to her through kind of being more of the adult and sort of like taking on her role a little bit that's such and, a nice thing to pull from this well well i just i pull a nice attitude from kathy because i'm sorry but kathy to me at no point in this movie strikes me as someone who's depressed <laughs> like and then the son you know he he says it himself where he's like where he says keeping a record of death is healthy and I agree with that because, you know, the the idea of keeping the record of death is basically just acknowledging that it happens. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not ignoring it or running away from it. It's it's acknowledging that people die, it happens, and it obviously it seems like a really fucking weird hobby. <laughs> but but it, it is healthy in the yeah. sense that, you know, he understands death. Mm -hmm. That's basically what he's saying is he understands death. And you know, Ironically, that's what the house ends up being is a collection of death. <laughs> like <Yes. laughs> that's like that's basically what it is, is a record of death, and we'll get into that in a sec. But um so they're all dealing with it, I think, perfectly fine. It's Arthur who is the one that has not come to terms with this. You know, Arthur is the one who seems like he's not all together, yeah. he's stressed out, he doesn't know what to do with himself, he can't get over the death of his wife. You know, so so that I think that's where we defer a little bit. Is I think the kids are actually, for the most part, fine. I, like not, you know, obviously they miss their mom, but mm -hmm. they're not 
They're not in it like Arthur is. <laughs> I agree with you on that. I do think I think that Bobby's definitely the one who's dealing with it the best um, because he is kind of looking it straight on and is trying to process through it that way. Okay, this is just going to bug me. You have to tell me why you think Kathy's not dealing well. <laughs> so I think that Kathy, I think Kathy is struggling for the sole reason that she is a teenager. So I think that she's doing her best, but there's there's moments of stress when like she's worried about you know, when Arthur brings up that there's a lawyer coming and she's worried that they're all going to have to move again, you know, how kind of she reacts to the house and them being rich. And I think that it's more this thing where, like, she's... You mean her overjoyed (laughs) excitement at the fact that they have this house and that they're rich like i I think we have to acknowledge that kathy lost part of her childhood stepping up to take care of the family no i i don't disagree with that like i'm not i'm not saying her life is perfect Mm -hmm. i'm just trying to make the point that she has moved on like she has processed is what i'm saying you know so because because being able to step up to the adult role mm-hmm. like that is a sign of being able to process and kind of move on as, in a sense mm-hmm. you know whereas arthur is completely collapsed yeah well that's the thing she's having to step up because arthur's not right again yeah. i don't think that that means that she's not handling it well though so mm-hmm. but you know they're 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 all dealing with this idea of mortality and arthur is the one that can't really get beyond that and I think that's kind of where the house ends up coming into play because, you know, again, this, like I said before, this house, this house is a record of death. You know, mm-hmm. it's basically this collection of ghosts and ghost zoo, if you will, a ghost zoo, if you will, <laughs> you pet them and they pet you back. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, and so it's this collection of ghosts and just on the house for a second the house is very mechanical, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's one of the most kind of interesting things about the movie is just the production design and this house itself because it's, you know, obviously it's not just a normal house. It's, first of all, completely see-through for the yeah. most part. Horrifying. <laughs> Which I could never live in. I don't no. understand people that live in glass houses like this. <laughs> no, you would see your family members doing things that you don't want to see them doing. Well, it's not just that. Other people don't want to see what I'm doing during the during the day, you know? So, right? like, I mean, you definitely don't want to see me, you know, doing, like, naked uh, toe touches and stuff like that, so. You mean you don't want the neighbor to be walking their dog and see you jerking off and make eye contact through the wall? I don't know why you got to go right to jerking off, you know? I'm just talking about no one wants to see my hairy asshole, but the <laughs> thing... <laughs> But but the point is like no I can never live in a go- in a glass house like this but it's a, it's a very mechanical house you know mm-hmm. so it's it it it's machine like which kind of separates it from your normal sort of haunted house movie right because yeah. the mostly it's some old decrepit mansion or something <laughs> and this place is like very modern and you know beyond that but the thing that I think is kind of cool about that is that you know watching this mechanical house it sort of made me start to think about the family in particular, Arthur, and how people in a sense are kind of like machines, you know, in in the fact that like, obviously we refuel and stuff and, you know, whatever, but we also break, you know, we break sometimes and, and we kind of need to be fixed. It's not to say that like you, you break and you're irreparable or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But just the idea that, yeah, you know, every once in a while we get depressed or something happens and we kind of, you know, we lose a piece of ourselves and we kind of need time to sort of build it and put it back together again you know yeah i feel like that's i think you really get that message with how the house changes um because if you look at the house as like a human being sort of a thing when we first meet the house ostensibly it is all glass but once they go in and the machine starts going you know then that's when we start seeing all the metal pieces start to slat into place and the house becomes more closed off to the outside world and i think that that's very reminiscent of what we're seeing with arthur as well is Mm. that he's gone through this grief and this tragedy and he's pulling in on himself and he's not only blocking himself off from the outside world but also from his family a bit well i'm glad you bring that up uh and and also want to first mention too like the the film does open as well in a junkyard which is a place that is full of broken machines Mm -hmm. you know these broken vehicles that are kind of old and dead and you know i think that that's just part of the theme of the movie but but I'm glad you bring up the the house in relation to Arthur because I I do think that the house is a reflection of Arthur specifically, mm-hmm. you know, and that and that even though yeah, like you said, it's clear on the outside, it is becoming more and more closed off. That's representative of him himself mm-hmm. and how he is kind of like 
sort of shutting himself out to the world a little bit. They get fucking locked in, like he's locking himself in. I got this. Sure. I got this theme. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but and and to add to that, you know, the other thing that I think is kind of cool about the movie is that, you know, just visually, of course, the 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 writing that's all over all the walls you know the the, the literal the, writing on the walls yeah the literal writing on the walls the the spells that are being used to <laughs> to keep all these ghosts contained which i always love this stuff you know because i'm like i start to think about like how did they come up with those spells you know is it is it a situation where like you know some dude is just sitting around and like some some magic demon just speaks to him and is like booga 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 you know like here's all the <laughs> Here's all the words you need to know to, to do this with ghosts or, or do people just like say a bunch of random phrases at ghosts until something works, you know, like I'm, really, I'm just always yeah. fascinated about like, how did they come up with all this? You know? We need to find Matt a cult so he can interview them. See yeah, how they I get just, their spell books. I just really want to know, like, how do you know? How do you know all these spells? How do you know all of this shit? But anyway, like any uh, science experimentation. Yeah, but words are not science. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Is like they're just throwing out random words at ghosts until something works. Like uh-huh. it's just, it's just kind of funny to me. But, but no, but but the words themselves, other than looking cool, you know, I think that they have sort of a meaning as well in the sense that, you know, this house, if we kind of look at it as being like Arthur and the fact that he is kind of closed off, you know, I think you can also look at the house as sort of like his subconscious and stuff like that. And so I actually see the idea with all the writing on the walls is sort of being like, you know, kind of his subconscious thoughts in mm-hmm. a way, you know, uh, just this idea that you're inside this mind kind of right mm-hmm. where, where there are all of these like streaming thoughts and, and memories and, you know, various rooms that kind of hold different memories. Like yeah. that, that's kind of how I view it is like, we're basically in Arthur's head. <laughs> I can definitely like see that and kind of agree with that assessment, especially when we think about, you know, the whole lore behind the house is the fact that it's um, it's all based around the machine designed by Basilicus, which we keep hearing over and over again, designed by Basilicus, which was... Uh, yeah, they the, really they really want to hammer home the... That <laughs> the, fucking the dude's bull, name. The, bull, the bullshit mythology on yeah. this. <laughs> and it's this whole idea that it was designed by the devil and it's powered by the dead. And if we, ignoring the devil part in the beginning, and we look at the powered by the dead, I think that we can all agree at a certain point in adulthood... That is part of the human condition. We are a little bit powered by the dead, the people who have left us behind, um, and those memories and stuff like that. And yeah, if we're all in Arthur's head with this shit, Arthur can't move forward, can't get out of the house, he can't get released until he faces, you know, the death of his wife and what that actually means, and ostensibly saves his kids from his own fucked up shit. All right, well, again, going back to the idea that, you know, Arthur is kind of like broken and machine-like, you know, Again, you know, the, the main ghost in this movie is the juggernaut, right? Mm-hmm. And and what is the juggernaut's thing is he literally breaks people. Yep. He has to <laughs> like, be baited like a goddamn shark, and I love that. Sure, but he, yeah, the whole thing with, like, spraying the blood the in the chunk. blood everywhere. Is... I, I mean, look, that's another thing that I love about this movie is it's just so ridiculous, yep. right? Like, it, like, this is the kind of horror, like, don't get me, I love all horror but this is the kind of horror that I just turn. It's like junk food for me, you know. Yes. Like I can just sit down, and have a snack, <laughs> and, and it's because of shit like that. Like just this whole idea of they just <laughs> drive to this junkyard, spraying blood everywhere to like attract the ghosts. Like, like what the? F- it's not like he's <laughs> drinking the fucking blood. Like, what is this? No, he needs know? to smell the blood in the water so he can contribute. I mean, he's a fucking juggernaut. He doesn't need, you know, <laughs> for fuck's sake. It's not like he can't sense people in the junkyard. <laughs> You know, so, but anyway, um, but no, he's this juggernaut. This whole thing is breaking people, you know, like he breaks people. And so, again, I just think there's this constant theme of being broken. And, you know, you have the line, uh, I want to say it's Matthew Lillard who says this, but he says, how do you lose an entire family in a glass house, you know? (laughs) And and that's just the thing is, you know, that's why I'm saying it's Arthur who is the one that's struggling and not the kids necessarily Mm -hmm. because – you know, if the kids are struggling at all, it's because Arthur is not there for them. Yes. You know, and so we could, so, you know, you were making the argument for Kathy earlier. That's where I would say, okay, she is struggling, is that she is having to pick up all the slack because Arthur isn't there to do any of it. Yes, that was my you know? point. Well, right. I just, I'm just saying she doesn't really <laughs> express, you know, anything wrong with that, but mm. that that is there, right? Yeah. And, and so that's the thing is like, even in this glass house where you can see through every room, 
you know, even then he is not there for his family, right? Mm-hmm. He can't, he's not present for them. He can't find them. He's just totally lost. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that also speaks to the idea that he's just lost in his mind, right? Again, mm-hmm. if you're looking at this as a subconscious kind of reflection of Arthur, like he's just in this maze of his mind that keeps changing and flipping things around and he just cannot find a way out. Uh, so I definitely agree with that. And I, because for some reason I'm going to die on this Kathy Hill this episode. So you, you try all you yeah. want. <laughs> so, I mean, you brought up the juggernaut kind of being like the worst side of Arthur, right? You know, well, I'm not saying it's the worst side of Arthur. I'm saying that, that all of the ghosts in a sense do kind of reflect like little different pieces of the family, right? Yes. Um, and, and yes, and, and yeah, little pieces of the family. And I think most specifically maybe through Arthur's mind, mm-hmm. but but yeah, the juggernaut is this idea that he's broken. And I know that you probably want to talk about the, the, the torn princess. The torn princess. Yep. Yes, I do. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah, so it's um I think that's the reason why I think that there's more going on with Kathy because um because of the torn princess's fixation on Kathy. You know, ultimately it's it's the jackal who ends up attacking her. Um, but that jackal's just well, fucking nuts. Well, the jackal's nuts. just fucking insane. Yeah, I mean, the jackal's jack- just fucking nuts. The jack, the jackal to me is like the uh, the rage of someone having passed on. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing is like when you really like study all the ghosts, like they mm-hmm. all in their own kind of way are representative of different ways that the family is kind of broken and yes. in pieces, right? Because um, yeah, the jackal is like this rage of grief, right? You mm-hmm. know, just the the rage of just wanting to like be destructive. Uh, because you've lost something uh you've got the little boy with the arrow in his head you know that could very well be sort of arthur's impression of bobby and just mm-hmm. the fact that he's like you know the, his son is like completely lost his mind or something yeah. i don't know <laughs> uh, but i going to kathy and the torn princess i think that it does say something that the torn princess gets fixated on kathy but doesn't attack kathy like, there's this whole moment in the bathroom with the bathwater where it really seems like the Torn Princess is seeing part of herself in Kathy. You know, we have the reveal of the bathroom that's just covered in blood, and I'm sorry is written in blood. We don't really know what happened to the Torn Princess or anything. We don't know what happened to any of the ghosts. Um, Although there are, on, on the uh, Blu-ray and DVD, there is, like, a backstory <gasps> thing you can find for all of them. <laughs> what?! Yeah, yeah, it's I, I, it's not very lengthy, but there, are, there are like paragraphs about the history of the ghosts. <laughs> that's awesome, and I really want to watch that now. I think that's that's for me why I'm connecting that Kathy's having a harder time that she's letting on because of that connection she has to the torn princess and the fact that you know something's going on that makes that connection without that ghost reaching out to murder her, you know, until she like splashes her face with blood. <laughs> Sure. I mean, you know, again, like I, I do agree with you that underneath underneath the surface, there are things going on that we mm-hmm. don't directly see in the movie. No, I mean, the Torn Princess is, is interesting and it kind of touches too on this idea that the the various rooms in the house are kind of like memories in a sense. Mm-hmm. You know, like like you've got a whole room full of kids toys, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and a whole room that's just completely dedicated to beauty, which is where the Torn Princess is. And you know, all these different rooms that the ghosts all have a certain attachment to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, I think that just speaks to the idea of, like, if you look at it like kind of Arthur's mind or just the mind in general, it's it's the way that people who have passed on, you know, they sort of haunt us subconsciously in a way, right? Like, even if you're not thinking about them all the time, they're still kind of there, you know, in this memory somewhere in your brain. Yeah. And, and that's why I really, you know, as... <laughs> As like coincidental and super shitty as it is that that Cyrus kidnapped his ghost <laughs> wife, you know, I, I do love that thematically because mm-hmm. that also is touching on the idea that like Arthur is haunted by this ghost of his wife that's just kind of wandering his mind, right? Mm-hmm. Like she just she doesn't have a specific attachment in the house. She's just kind of wandering all over the place. Yeah. But but with the princess, you know, I think. I think there's a little something there, too, of, like, you know, Kathy is sort of becoming an adult, which is funny for me to think about because Shannon Elizabeth, to me, never strikes me as, like, young teenager, you know? No. She, <laughs> she always feels young 20. Yeah, young 20s at least, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like even, even in American Pie, uh, when she's supposed to be, like... I don't know, 16 or 17, I'm like, bitch, you're 25 or something. <laughs> <laughs> she has a maturity about her. Yeah, maybe it's the boobs, I don't know. But she, <laughs> but, 
but but there there's this whole thing where Kathy is, you know, I think trying to become or or becoming an adult, and it's a little bit scary as much as it is exciting, you know, because the whole scene where the torn princess is kind of watching her is Kathy like trying on the makeup and washing her face in this like elegant you know, feminine room or whatever. Mm. And, and I feel like that is her kind of, in a way, again, connecting to her mom. Yeah. You know, like, trying to find this connection between just something as simple as, like, makeup and beauty and, you know, and just being feminine in an adult way. Yeah, because that's something you do with your mom. Or so I've been told. It's not something I did with my mom, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been told this is something that you do with your mom, of, like, you know, going into the bathroom together and doing makeup and little makeovers and ostensibly pampering yourself. You know, it is a very, like, motherly-daughter connection thing, and then it is a more adult thing. You know, it is something that adults do that kids don't, is that idea of pampering in the bathroom in the bathtub because i know as a child i fucking hated baths but as an adult i'm pissed off i don't have a bathtub it's so weird how that happens right because i also hated baths as a kid yeah and there's like i don't i don't remember what age it is you know i i think for me it was as soon as i was like i don't i think i think at the minute that i became like interested in girls or whatever I, I think that's... You were what, interested in baths, too? Well, I think that was the point where I was like, okay, I have to not be the smelly kid, you know? Like, <laughs> like I think that was the point where I started being like, okay, baths are fine. Mm-hmm. But but even then, I, I, I saw it as, like, an inconvenience, you know, to have to, yeah. like, take a shower or something like that. And, and people, if you're listening to this and you still feel that way, like, I, I cannot tell you how different that is as you get older because now I'm, like, the the shower, like, that, that 10 minutes where I'm just in this, like warm soothing water for like 10 minutes it's like the best part of the day <laughs> like you're returning to the womb it's not at all like i'm returning <laughs> to the womb it's just <laughs> i think it comes with the muscle aches you get older your muscles start hurting yeah and- i mean speaking of being fucking broken you know it's not just like mentally it's like the older you get the more you're like fuck this <laughs> i just want to sit something warm and peaceful <laughs> for a bit like if i ever make the 95 i'm, ju- I'm gonna be like just fucking put me in a grave like just <laughs> Bury me alive. I don't give a fuck. Just I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> but no, but so, you know, I do. So, so yeah, the ghosts are kind of fun in that way. And, you know, we haven't even talked about just like how great the ghosts look. Oh, these are like you know? the best ghosts ever. They're, they're fantastic. You know, this is, a, this is another reason why I love, where I really enjoy this movie. And I loved this period of horror is that we, we hadn't quite, you know, this was the beginning of like the, the CG age and stuff like that. So we hadn't, we hadn't quite moved into everything as CG now. Mm. And so you do get these really great practical ghosts, which I, I think actually the Torn Princess, if I remember right, was the one who took the longest to get the makeup on, something like five plus hours or something yeah, no like that. Yeah, no shit. She's got to be naked and cut up everywhere. Yeah, and she looks great. <laughs> <laughs> you just like her tits. Who doesn't? I mean, <laughs> but, but more naked ghosts, you know? <laughs> Naked ghosts for everybody. I mean, look, it, it's being realistic, okay? Like, if you, yeah, <laughs> it's being realistic. Like, if you were to actually see ghosts, I mean, if we could see ghosts, there'd be like fifty naked people just standing around us right now. <laughs> Why? I imagine ghosts don't really care about clothes, you know? Because they. <laughs> I I think the implication is that you wear what you died in. Okay, well, maybe a lot of people die naked. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I think for me, that's what I love so much about these ghosts is that they're so fucking extreme. Like when we look at the hammer with all of the fucking. What the fuck happened to the hammer? I mean, I I have to be honest. I I haven't read up on the backstory of these ghosts in a long, long time. And I should have before this. But so I don't remember exactly what happened to them. But what the fuck, man? There's real (laughs) spikes all over this fucker's head. It's amazing. All over his whole body. And I'm pretty sure his fist is a hammer. (laughs) I don't even know. I never even saw his fist. I'm pretty sure his hand is a hammer. That's fucking awesome. (laughs) But well, well, and you know, and it's going on like a symbol, uh, and and speaking of like symbolism, you know, again going back to the jackal whose head is in a cage. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, that reminds me of Arthur too, where it's just this idea of like your your head is literally in this prison. Yeah, you know, of not being able to move on. No, I think that you're absolutely accurate. The jackal is a hundred percent like the rage, just pure unadulterated rage. And that actor just does such a great job of just going fucking ham anytime they're slapping the shit out of people. 
Oh, but it's the ghosts are one of my favorite parts about this movie. Just the designs of them are so over the top and amazing. This idea of the black zodiac is really cool. It's a mm. really cool concept of like not only are these ghosts potentially people before that, but they're also concepts. Like they're they're human concepts of different states because like there is a difference between the firstborn son and the torn prince. Who I fucking love. You give me a James Dean fucker who probably murdered a shit ton of people. All of these ghosts are so cool, and I think we're so deprived by not having movies about each one of these fuckers. Right. I want to meet all of them. I wonder if he's supposed to be like Arthur as a teenager, like maybe when he met his wife. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you think he was like a just- murderer? No, I don't think he was a murderer, but, you know, like, just back in that, like, like cool 50s, 60s, you know, I'm, like, part of the sharks, and we all, like, walk around snapping our fingers and singing musicals, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Torn Prince never sung musicals. You don't know that. He's got yeah. a leather jacket on, Chris. He probably did that at least once in his life. So. <laughs> Th- that's just how it works. You wear a leather jacket, and you sing musicals. That's just how it was. If you yeah. look like a 50s James Dean... Dude, wearing a leather jacket, you know, mm. you probably were in a game that's saying musicals. <laughs> it's the law. But no, yeah, it, you know, all of that's really fun and interesting. And it, going back to the wife for a second, too, you know, I kind of love as well that she sort of acts as like this sort of warring voice with the ghosts. Like, mm-hmm. again, part of sort of, you know, the subconscious of the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you have these ghosts that are kind of like, either tempting the characters or attacking them, you know, in, in some way they are harming them. Yeah. And she's the only one who's kind of like this, this opposite voice, you know, almost like this healing voice. That's like, don't listen to them. Don't give in, you know, don't go down that fucking creepy basement. You <laughs> stupid kid. Uh, like, and like <laughs> most children, Bobby completely ignores his mother. Yeah. I mean, I gotta be honest. I'd probably do the same thing, you know, like, so, <laughs> Like we were just watching the movie Barbarian uh, the other night, and no spoilers, but but you know there's you all have seen the trailer at least probably, but basically you know there 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 are tunnels, there there are things to explore in the movie, and and I will just say that you know I was sitting there watching the characters and and it, kind of screaming to them of like don't fucking go down there, you know like what the fuck are you doing? But then I think to myself I'm like I would do the same thing because. Yeah. Who doesn't want to know what the hell is is in there? Exactly, <laughs> it's a whole new space to explore. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna find a secret room in my apartment and be like, nah, I'm not gonna go in there. I'm the, going in there. We're going. <laughs> so I'm not the only one who's gonna get us killed in a horror film. You will also get us killed by dragging us down tunnels. Yeah, no, I totally will. But <laughs> <laughs> unlike you, I'm just not gonna hug a bear. You know that that's that's kind of where I cross the line. If the bear's gonna kill like, me, like anyways. like things that are obviously stupid, I won't do. That's that's up to you. So. <laughs> But, but yeah, no, so it's kind of cool how she acts as, like, this sort of differing voice, right, mm-hmm. the subconscious of this. But, you know, you mentioned the Black Zodiac, and so I want to talk about Cyrus's plan because I think his plan's fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> of course like, it's fucking stupid. Like, he, he basically wants, like, what, like, the Eye of Sauron in, in, yes. his, in his living room? <laughs> like, you know what, yes, I'm just going to say yes because that's so much better. <laughs> I mean, that's what it sounds like, right? It's because the, the all-seeing eye, right? It's you know, the, the Eye of Hell, but yeah. Well, yeah, the all. Well, I know it's the. I, I know it's not fucking Sauron, but <laughs> you know, yeah, this all-seeing eye that like sees into the future, and mm-hmm. you know, I guess in a way, it's basically Back to the Future Part Two, but as a ghost story, <laughs> because because the plot of Back to the Future Part Two, for those who haven't seen it, you know, is basically Biff gets an almanac, a sports almanac, with all <laughs> with all of the winning teams, and becomes a billionaire because he just bets on all the winning teams because he knows who's gonna win. I'm a, like I said, I'm still a little under the weather, so I'm sorry. You get fucking weird math tonight, all right? But <laughs> my brain hurts. <laughs> yeah. So so no, thirteen ghosts is Back to the Future Part Two with ghosts. Well, I mean, I feel like it's he's the quintessential, you know, rich billionaire asshole that we get in a lot of these films, where he already has everything and he just wants more. And I think it's never really, have enough. He never fuck you, Elon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's so fucking funny. taking over Twitter, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yes, he's ostensibly Elon Musk, I guess, um, in this scenario. Every every Bond villain, every shitty rich person you've ever mm. seen in a movie, it's Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's so fascinating because it's these people who already have everything. And I love the fact that um, 
you know, I love the fact that Arthur points out that, like, Cyrus fucking squandered the family fortune. Mm-hmm. That's his reputation. Well, because that's also what people who inherit money instead of making it are good at. Exactly. Is wasting it. Because <laughs> well, they don't know how to fucking earn it. <laughs> and it's so funny that, like, he... he squ- like Elon Musk. It's so funny because, like, I agree with you. He's absolutely squandered it. But then he has the audacity to, like, yell at Arthur about how he, he doesn't understand. Um, and he doesn't understand that greatness requires sacrifice and that he's never dedicated himself to anything. And it's like, motherfucker, you've dedicated yourself to, A, getting people killed like we you saw him get a shit ton of people killed when he went after the juggernaut killing off your family and having absolutely no connections whereas arthur has dedicated himself to his family so who really like doesn't know well, how to dedicate themselves to shit well right and i mean that's cyrus fucker. Well, right. well right and, th- and that's part of the, the very obvious message of the movie which is you know that 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 dichotomy between them and the differences between them is that you know where where cyrus has devoted himself to power and wealth mm-hmm. arthur needs to remember the value that his family has because yeah. part because part of the issue for arthur in the beginning of the movie is that they are broke yeah you know part of the issue is that they don't have money and and that they're struggling it's why they enter so, this fucking house that they never should have gone in if a house eats your fucking key you should not enter that house that's a fucked up house uh i mean i guess i don't know <laughs> how are you gonna get I, out I don't know. You know, it's a fucking glass house. Break one of the break one of the many windows. How would, well did that work out for Arthur? It didn't work out very well, but they didn't know that that was reinforced glass. But the thing, I would totally go into that house. Who doesn't want to explore that house? But you know, but the thing is, is like, you know, Arthur through this whole movie is is basically focused on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's focused on the the death of his wife he he can't get past it and and look for for those listening i don't want to sound like i'm talking about this like oh he should have just snapped right back and been fine you know of course i don't think that way but but the message of the movie is that he is too focused on that and too focused on the fact that they are broken that they are struggling that he is no longer recognizing and seeing the where he is wealthy which is right in front of him which is his family yeah you know again going back to how do you lose your family in a glass house right Mm -hmm. you know he 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 is not seeing the wealth he has in front of him which is why you do have the whole thing with arthur directly or or not arthur which is why you do have the whole thing with cyrus directly criticizing him you know and being like you you're nothing you know you don't you don't own anything or whatever it's it's that's supposed to be like the dark part of his mind, mm-hmm. you know, that's trying to destroy him. Like that, that shitty voice in your head mm-hmm. that's like telling you that you're not worthwhile. And, and the end with him defeating him is pretty much supposed to be like, yeah, no, fuck you, man. Yeah. You know, like I got my family and that's what I need. That's true wealth. Yeah. <laughs> is having people that love you. <laughs> yeah. And he beats the shit out of shit out of Cyrus and then he jumps through fucking you know revolving blades to save his family (laughs) i love that he does that with no plan whatsoever yeah he he does that with the idea of like i don't know i just want to be there for them like that's literally what he says when they ask him (laughs) about it is he's just like i just felt like it was where i was supposed to be it's like motherfucker man you (laughs) like (laughs) like chris and i were laughing watching this because chris was basically like Imagine how traumatizing that would have been for the kids if he, <laughs> if he had mistimed that jump by even like a millisecond. I mean, he know? fucking froggers that shit and hopes it works out. He totally does. And unlike Frogger, he does not have multiple lives in this case, you nope. know? So, <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I, I really want there to just be an alternate cut of the movie or, or just like a, a Simpsons or Family Guy spoof or something where like he jumps and doesn't make it and the kids just have to sit there like showered in his blood and limbs. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they're already showered in Cyrus's blood and limbs. Yeah, but fuck Cyrus. Yeah, you know? fuck that guy. <laughs> That's not traumatizing. That's like, you know, they're bathing in that shit like, oh yeah, fuck you, man. Yeah. Um, That's vindication right there. Vindication. But yeah, and the thing with Cyrus too, you know, Cyrus's whole thing is also kind of connected to Arthur because along with cyrus valuing the wrong thing you know or or not recognizing the wealth of loved ones because cyrus did turn himself into like this loner asshole who you know wants nothing to do with anybody is that cyrus is this character who is not living in the present you know Mm -hmm. that's the other problem with arthur is arthur is living in the past yeah and cyrus is living in the future Mm -hmm. you know cyrus's whole goal is wanting to see the future that's all he cares about is having a vision of the future 
And so neither of them is actually living in the present. Yeah. You know, and so that's what also kind of comes together towards the end there is that finally Arthur lives in the present. You know, after he froggers that shit. After he froggers that shit. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that is a big part of this movie of like, if you're unable to really live in the present, then you those are the people who don't really get to survive this film because Kalina doesn't survive this film because she's blinded by her weird love for Cyrus, which she really wants that old dick. I just don't <laughs> understand that old floppy gray hair dick. <laughs> Ew, really? Um, I'm just, I mean, come on. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, like, really, really Kalina? <laughs> I really, yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't make like, any like sense. Like Kalina could get it, you know, like, I don't know. <laughs> She could. I don't know. I don't know why she's going after old man Cyrus here. Like, like, look, love is love, you know. And so if she, that's how she feels. That's how she feels. But I mean, he is not a gracious lover, so I can't imagine he's good. But I mean, I mean, he's got to be a selfish lover, right? Like, I doubt he goes down. You know, (laughs) no, he just sits there and expects her to do all the work. Well, he waits for the Viagra to kick in, you know. So like. Uh, I mean, God, you know, well, she does love ghosts, and he is, like, right on the verge of death, so. <laughs> Fair enough. Gross. <laughs> oh, this is awful. Uh, but, yeah, she doesn't make it, and Dennis doesn't make it, which is a tragedy. But Dennis. Well, and Dennis is living in the past, too. Yeah, and well, and Dennis, I feel bad for him because he's he is unable to live in the present because he is constantly accosted by the past. Well, and this is the thing, like, both, you know, all of those characters are, are different reflections of the issue with Arthur, mm-hmm. you know, because while Cyrus is living in the future and, and Dennis is living in the past and like, you know, clouded by all of these horrible memories, which is going on with Arthur, you know, th- they're both the same in the sense that they both are not living in the present. Yeah. You know, which again is Arthur's issue. Mm-hmm. So no, it, it is tragic. And, and that's why we care more for Dennis uh, <laughs> as opposed to Iris or Cyrus, because Dennis is this, it, it's tragic. It mm-hmm. is tragic to, be stuck in the past and stuck in these awful memories that you can't move on from. Yeah. You know, there's tragedy to that. There, there's not tragedy to Cyrus being like, fuck everything. <laughs> I want to see the future so I can have, you know, all knowing power. Oh. Like there's no tragedy in that. So. Yeah. No, and it's, you know, it is, it is really sad. Like to have kind of the ending where, where Dennis sacrifices himself so this family can survive. And, and then comes together. back as their ghost uncle. <laughs> I love the fact that like Dennis as a ghost is like the most chill we've seen Dennis this entire time. Well, yeah. Cause he no longer has to deal with all those fucking shitty visions, you know? Yeah. He's now like, he just, I'm finally free. Now he just gets to sit around and clean his glasses for some reason, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm kind of like, Dennis, you don't even wear glasses. What's happening right yeah, now? Yeah, but cleaning your glasses i think always kind of makes you look more chill so yeah you're just so much more nonchalant because you're like i don't even like, have to fucking see you i can just clean my glasses like that's when i feel most chill like if you wear glasses and you're trying to pick someone up at a bar you know you just like go up to them and being like you know hey how's it going as you're like cleaning your glasses because then you just look like the most chill person ever so. oh see i can't do that because my eyesight is so bad that if i did that i'd be talking to a fern well you'd probably just be talking to a fern anyway but fair enough <laughs> but no i do I do really love the absurdity of of this ending because we have all of these like really great kind of emotional moments between Arthur and the kids, him confronting Cyrus, the ghosts tossing him into the fucking machine. But the hero of this movie is fucking Maggie because she gets knocked the fuck out, wakes up and goes, fuck this shit and destroys the machine. Arthur doesn't destroy the machine. None of the family does. Dennis doesn't. Their nanny wakes up after getting knocked the fuck out and is just done with all of this bullshit. Maggie's great. I, I love that she gets to just kind of be the one who's like, you know, barely in the movie, but <laughs> but fixes everything um, or, or destroys whatever, wins. She wins. Uh, but, but, you know, I back to the idea of like the 13th ghost, which we haven't really talked about, you know, and this and this idea that like Arthur is the 13th ghost. The um, sacrifice of the broken heart. I the sac- love the names. <laughs> the sacrifice of the broken heart. I mean, look, that's all great. Uh, I actually consider Cyrus to be the 13th ghost. Well, they both are. They're both kind of the ghost to me because, again, the theme here is neither of them is really living. Yeah. You know, Arthur's not really living because he's stuck in the past. Cyrus isn't really living because he's stuck in the future. So they're both kind of the 13th ghost to me. But Cyrus is more specifically the 13th ghost because he actually fucking dies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and so he is actually the one who succumbs to 
his shittiness again of not recognizing the value of life yeah. you know which arthur does mm-hmm. um so i actually consider him to be the 13th ghost but because not only does he sacrifice live human beings but also dead human beings to get what he wants Right, exactly. Which, by the way, I also have to add, I love that this ends with all of the ghosts being released because it's kind of like, you know, like it's a happy ending in that Arthur and his fan, you know, that Arthur didn't get chopped up by the crazy sphere thing <laughs> and, and that they all get to walk out together. But then it's also like, but you also just unleashed all of these ghosts to go fucking murder people yeah, again. Yeah, you, you released like, 11 murdery ghosts. Like, like I'm surprised that the Juggernaut isn't just, like, skipping out of there, like, so excited to go murder, <laughs> like, a whole family or something, you know? He's like, he's like, enjoy your family, I'm gonna go kill another one. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely gonna go murder a whole bunch of people. Like, I, I just love them all, I just love that image of them all wandering off, like, <laughs> oh, just... <laughs> living to kill again to kill another day like <laughs> we're free to murder more people right um because the juggernaut has killed 31 people in his afterlife if i'm remembering correctly because he killed yeah. nine when he was alive and then uh dennis i think says there's 40 bodies oh yeah no him him and him and the uh the jackal they're gonna team up you know they're gonna be like ghost buddies like ghost murder buddies that okay. just to just travel the world killing people. <laughs> I want that movie so bad. That'd be great. I mean, I don't know how much personality they have, you know. I don't give one, a shit. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, no, they're just traveling the states now, just murdering everyone they come across. <laughs> I want bur- buddy ghost murder movie. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I should write that. Um, but but you know, and then and then lastly, I think I'll just say about this ending here is that you know Kalina at one point mentions earlier in the movie how she she saves trapped souls right like that's like her whole thing fucking and because she's like a fucking she's pita, pita for ghosts pita ghost bitch yes and, <laughs> and uh oh man i kind of want to pita now but she but she she's a pita ghost bitch and you know i i, I kind of love that in an ironic way she ends up telling the truth because her and cyrus's plan does actually ultimately save arthur's soul so, you know, so not okay. in the way she intended. Nope. But but that is kind of what ultimately happens is she does in a roundabout way save Arthur's souls. <laughs> <laughs> so she does manage at least one good thing. She does. Bo- both her and Cyrus. It's yeah. their, their one good deed <laughs> is that even though they wanted to murder, murder him. Arthur, I guess. They wanted him to sacrifice the plan, himself. The plan's a little confusing. Yeah. And I didn't mention either that like, Cyrus couldn't have picked an easier way to fake his death. Like he's got, <laughs> like he decided. I, I mean, just the number of things that could have gone wrong with that plan, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's all to fake his death, like in front of Matthew Lillard. You know, like like only Matthew Lillard has to witness him die. I mean, to be fair, he needed the juggernaut. I mean, but I'm just saying, like Cyrus couldn't have, like I don't know. If he fakes it in front of Dennis, then he doesn't have to pay Dennis. Well, sure, but he could have just he could have just faked his death in like a fucking bathtub or something. Like, this is a dramatic bitch. He's I gonna mean, do it dramatically. I mean, this is like theater kid bullshit, you know? Like he dresses like a theater kid. He's like he's like a fucking magician, you know? It's like Dennis is turning around for one second, the next he turns around and it, like I'm just imagining, you know, Dennis is dealing with the juggernaut, and really quickly Cyrus is like pulling out the fake blood and like you know pouring it all over his face and then he's got to get like the car part right you know that goes on his neck or whatever well, and it's just like this, it's just so overly complicated that i can't get it out of my head this bitch showed up for a ghost hunting mission in a fucking super old car he is a dramatic theater bitch to the end this is the only way he could fake his death that's true it does make sense it's very yeah. vincent price of him i don't know yeah. why but it's very reminds me of vincent price for some reason well, yeah i agree with you <laughs> But, but anyway, so we got to start wrapping up. So who is your killer idiot of 13 Ghosts? Obviously fucking Kalina. This bitch is so dumb. Like, not only is she, like, falling for Cyrus when he's clearly, like, a fucked up madman, but also, like, her ghost PETA shit, like, gets under my skin because she's just like, I'm here to set these souls free. Like, these souls are fucking murdering people. I'm pretty sure that the dead souls don't take precedent over the living ones. Yeah, but she's also not there to set them free, so... So it's not like that's actually her intention. <laughs> oh, fuck, you're right. right. It's all bullshit, isn't it? 
Yeah, of course it is. God she's not, damn she's it. not actually a ghost PETA person. <laughs> I'm a dum-dum sometimes. Which then makes me question her whole partner thing. Like, have they been rescuing ghosts together? Who knows? She was you just know? fucking him to get that book, I guess. <laughs> well, right, but I mean, how long has she been helping set ghosts free or whatever it is that they Damien. do? Like, <laughs> Poor Damien. You didn't deserve to get stabbed in a fucking junkyard. He definitely did not. Um, <laughs> At least not that we know. I mean, who knows? Maybe he was a pretentious bitch about ghosts, too. I don't know. Maybe. So, but uh, no, she's my killer idiot as well. Okay. Sold her soul for that floppy dick. Like, I just, <laughs> you know, I just, I can't. I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Cyrus no. doesn't, I, I mean, it's not even like Cyrus is charming, you know? No, like, she goes from being a badass to like a whimpering puppy, you know, in the corner. Why are you mad yeah, at me? Come yeah, on. I mean, yeah, she totally falls into just that, that trope of like the pathetic, you know, woman in, in love with this shitty man. Like it's, yeah. we she's don't, we so don't, much more badass. She's wearing fucking leather jeans. Right. We, we don't need that 2000s shit, you know, it's, no. tw- it's 2022 now. We don't. Women, women, women aren't fucking falling at the knees of that piece of shit, you know. No, so, kick him in the dick. <laughs> exactly, they're kicking him in the dick now. That's what yeah. we do now. What about your killer death in Thirteen Ghosts? I mean, obviously Cyrus getting, you know, chucked into the machine and just getting like blown into bits. Yeah, I mean that's good. I I gotta go with the lawyer getting sliced in half though. Ooh, yeah. And and this was another thing that that the late nineties and early two thousands was a big fan of slicing people. <laughs> was slicing people in half and having one part slowly slide off the other. You know, and certain ones did it better than others. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can name three movies off the top of my head that did this. This Resident Evil and uh, and Underworld all did this, <laughs> and all very closely to each other. Uh, this, I think, did it the best. Yeah, because his um, eyes keep moving the entire time. Well, his eyes keep moving, and I'm pretty sure that's a practical effect you see. Uh, I could I'm, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's a practical effect. Uh, but it's no, it's great. I love that. I loved this shit, and I wish we would bring it back. I yes. want to see people sliced in half and slowly sliding apart again. More slicing <laughs> and dicing. A, it's not a lot to ask, okay? <laughs> All people are made of cake, and I want to see more people <laughs> cut like slices of cake. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, what about your killer MVP? So my killer MVP is Dennis. Yes, we could say Matthew Lillard, but I really want to say Dennis because he goes above and beyond in this movie. For this family, he doesn't even really know. And you know what? I just fucking love him. He deserves so much better, and I hope that he's in a better place now. Sure. Uh, I'm going to go with the obvious, I guess, but the KMB special effects team. Ooh. I just think... Again, the ghosts look amazing. So cool. Uh, some some of my favorite ghosts, the way that they appear in movies. So yeah, no, KMB did a great job. Really, yeah. really good job on this. But so every week on Twitter at Killer Critics, we always put up a poll, kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it, where do you think the audience fell on Thirteen Ghosts? Uh, I'm gonna go with it's fine. Incorrect. Uh, so, Love It actually got 45.2%. Uh, it's Fine got 35.7%. Don't Like It got 13.6%. And Never Seen It got 5.5%. So, this is actually, like, like at the time, I don't quite remember how popular this movie was. I think it was, like, again, it didn't do well at the box office, but I think people liked it. But it's definitely, like, gathered somewhat of a cult following. Like, for people... Like, I didn't quite grow up with this movie. You know, I was already, uh, what was this, 2001? I was already a teenager, I guess. But but for people that, like, started horror, like, really young, you know, this is a movie that they grew up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really kind of gained, I think, sort of that cult following. But I'm so glad this love it because, honestly, I was worried that the winner was going to be Never Seen It. <laughs> no, no. This, okay, is def- this, is def- this is definitely a movie that people have actually seen, unlike some other 2000s movies we talked about. But... <laughs> Um, so no, that's, that's about where I thought this would fall, although I expected a little more, it's fine, so I love it, but, mm-hmm. uh, so always get comments from these all, from you all as well, so these are all from Twitter, first up is at Dude McAwesome, so that's Dude MC Awesome, and they say, had a fun time with this one, saw it way back when in the theaters, the trailer, if I recall at the time, was simply, 13 Ghosts has been rated R for the following, and a voice simply read the gory details over a splash of the title card. Got me to go. I mean, that's awesome. This is the one thing that I kind of regret about getting late into horror, is that I miss some of these movies getting to see them in theaters that I really love now. So it's so cool that you got to see it in theaters, and I totally missed the trailer because I was only watching Nickelodeon at the time. <laughs> Thank you, 
at Dude McAwesome for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at Cinema Trip Views. So that's Cinema Trip Views. And they say it's definitely a product and they say it's definitely a product of its time and feels like an early 2000s horror movie, but it's pretty great. Idea of a house that changes is cool and love the designs and lore of all the ghosts included. Plus it has Matthew Lillard, so can't really go wrong. You're absolutely right. And I think, you know, to Matt's point earlier on the episode, this is a period of horror films that we don't give enough credit to because all of them really in a way similar to the 80s they were in it to win it with you know fun interesting concepts in it to win it in it to win it <laughs> um no that you know I, I would agree in the sense that th this was this was a time for horror where i felt like a, a lot of movies were flashier in a way yeah you know like again it's not a comment on on modern horror i love a lot of modern horror and they're they're very good in different ways mm -hmm. you know um but 2000s was i think a time where we were just really having fun with like digital effects and and you know flashy, and just gory slice and dice and, and just flashiness and goriness you know and so it again it, it definitely has that vibe to it you know mm -hmm. it's just very over the top very fun uh so completely agree cinema trip views so thank you for the comment really appreciate it uh next up was a comment from at narcotic casser one so that's narcotic c-a-s-s-e-r and the number one and they say it's not going to win any awards for writing I will be damned if this movie didn't go for it in terms of production design and world building. A miniseries revolving around the origins of the 13 Ghosts would be outstanding. And goddamn, that set. The deception of haunted houses. Okay, yeah, that is a genius brain idea. Forget getting movies about the 13 Ghosts. I want the miniseries. This yeah. is now what I want. Yeah, no, I, I had a few people comment with something like that. Like, uh, a lot of people really love the ghosts of this movie. Uh, and a lot of people really want, like, some kind of series or 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 prologue or, you know, just something that's, like, involving these ghosts. And I totally agree. I, I think that would have been fun. You know, they could have done, uh, I mean, especially, I mean, fuck it, you know. <laughs> Listen, Netflix will buy anything, okay? Like, you should, they should just pitch to Netflix. We're going to do a, a, a mini series of 13 episodes where each episode's just about a different ghost, you know? Maybe amazing. Can we bring Matthew Lillard back? And we're going to bring Matthew Lillard back. He's going to be the host of the series. Like, he's going to he's gonna open it up in each episode and, like, introduce the ghost story. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> and, and wrap it up like the fucking Crypt Keeper, you know? <laughs> but it all has to be styled in this early 2000s. Over-the-top, flashy, practical effects. Oh, 100%. Yeah, no. Yeah. It, it all has to feel very 2001. Mm -hmm. We're going to get Blink-182, My Chemical Romance, like, all those fucking bands to you know like <laughs> do, do the, the score for it <laughs> but anyway so thank you at narcotic caster one for the comment appreciate it uh next up is a comment from at sinful underscore redheads that's s-i-n-n-f-u-l underscore redhead this is my friend sarah has a podcast you go check her out now she says i feel that this movie is underrated and doesn't get the love it deserves i absolutely love this movie of course i would the idea of the black zodiac and the different ghosts especially their backstories are what made this movie so fascinating for me. Right? It's really all about the Black Zodiac. That's what we keep fixating on. That is the key for all of this. So it's... It's the Necronomicon, but for ghosts. Exactly. It's just... It's such a cool concept. And I think that we've been pleasantly surprised by our poll that it is a lot more loved than we give it credit for. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so thank you at Sinful underscore Redhead for the comment. Appreciate it. Then last up is a comment from at Jerry Horror, so that's J-E-R-R-Y, Horror, and they say this was such a perfect film to use 3D as a spooky gimmick, it was just a few years too early. I'm sorry, this movie was 3D? No, 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 they're saying it would have been perfect for oh. 3D, but it wasn't because it was just a few years too early when, when we really hit the... 3d horror boom <laughs> oh my god you're absolutely right this movie is a 3d movie would have been amazing yeah so i i could be wrong again these are internet facts but <laughs> but but i do believe that this movie actually was at one point intended to be 3d <gasps> uh because because and we the, were deprived well because the original 13 ghosts had that as a gimmick i think where um where you had to wear like these 3d glasses to see the ghosts and, and that's what the characters are doing <gasps> in the movie or something like that that's um, why there's the glasses. Yeah, well, that's what they're based on is is what the characters in the original movie had to wear to see the ghost. So, um, so no, I, I I do think that that was in the plans. I don't remember quite what happened with that and why they didn't do it. But but no, I totally agree. I mean, this is again, this is like your your typical 
flashy party sort of movie right and those are perfect for this 3d kind of just you know goofy concept like i i i don't i don't want 3d and like really serious you know movies i i no. want 3d and shit like this i i want 3d and shit like uh friday the 13th part three you know <laughs> like me in the I, face of the fucking yo-yo <laughs> like to me horror is the best genre for 3d uh like i i know that people don't like the gimmick of it and i totally get that i love it because i think that it just it adds another element of fun to the movies yeah because i i love these movies just doing these really ridiculous goofy like nonsensical 3d bullshit just to be in 3d <laughs> like it's it's what makes a horror community you know, beautiful is the gimmick it and now I'm obsessed with this idea of a ghost movie where you get the glasses that the only way you see the ghost in the movie is if you put the glasses on. It would be pretty dope. So Amazing. anyway, thank you at Jerry Horror for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh so we also have your releases for the week. Now we are a week late, so these are the releases from last week. <laughs> <laughs> uh but I still want to mention them, so <laughs> uh so these are all out by the time you're listening to this, but first up is VHS 99, which is on Shudder now, uh, the latest sequel in the VHS franchise. I fucking loved it. I had a blast with this movie. Uh, I think the last two VHS films have been phenomenal. I cannot wait for the next one, which I think is VHS 85, if I remember correctly. Um, but this was great. All the stories are really fun. This one kind of leans a little more into comedy. So it's sort of like really fucked up, depraved sort of comedy kind of working into this one but i had a blast with it really fun times check that out on shutter uh next up is a film called slashback which is now on vod i believe Uh, but this is basically about a group of indigenous people in alaska who end up facing off against like an alien invasion basically and and it centers around a bunch of like teen girls (laughs) uh so it the thing with it is it sounds a lot more fun than it is like like, I think the script is really good. The direction is just not as much. So, like, I think that the writing maybe has more energy than the film does, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like the film was kind of lacking in the right energy. But but it is still a, it is still a cool movie. Uh, it does have some really neat concepts in it. And you get to see teenage girls, you know, kick some ass. Not as much ass as I think they should have. But, you know. Some ass. Wor- worth a watch. But... Uh, and then lastly is a, is uh the Terror Train remake which is now on Tubi. It's terrible. <laughs> like it's <laughs> like I think I think if you've never seen Terror Train, you could potentially watch this and be like, "Eh, that was fine." Like mm-hmm. no one I don't think anyone's going to be blown away by it, but it's basically a scene for scene remake of Terror Train. Like it diverts from the original in very few ways. And like so so if you've seen the original you've seen this one basically yeah you know just without jamie lee curtis and no david copperfield you know giving her a rose and shit like that so <laughs> <laughs> so basically the best parts of the movie yeah. <laughs> and let's see next week we're going to be talking about the house on haunted hill remake from 1999 i adore this movie and so i cannot wait to talk about that uh go check it out rent it whatever you got to do but that's gonna do it for us again apologies for getting uh, sni- sick well again apologies for sniffling and coughing during this and you know uh being late on this can't help getting sick sorry about yeah. that but <laughs> but that's gonna do it for us so i'm matt and i'm chris and have a great night horror fans bye i hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of killer horror critic if you'd like to scream with us some more please subscribe on itunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled, just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans. <laughs>